Greetings, everyone, and welcome back to the Preacher's Corner. I'm Pastor Jay, and today we're going to be getting into 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and I'm going to be getting into more trouble. Amen. Father, we thank you so much for this day, for the blessing of this time we have together, for the trouble we're able to get into for the sake of the gospel. Lord, as the preachers of old were bold in their proclamation of the gospel truth and that we would see many souls come to a saving knowledge of Jesus through their messages, Lord, and the fact that that our modern-day Christianity seems to be quite anemic with people rather joining themselves to the greater entertainment that they receive instead of the Jesus who could save them. We pray that our messages no longer would be watered down for entertainment purpose, but that, Father, the power of the Holy Spirit would speak through the vessels of your children so that souls can be saved. We pray that you will bless this request in this time together in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. So what we're going to find in the Word of God today here in 1 Corinthians chapter number 6 is the fact that our moral aptitude as the children of God, at least in the United States, has so degraded to a point where we have much of the world inside the church instead of Christ and much more of the world inside of us while we're living outside of the church instead of Christ. To understand my point, let's take a look here beginning in verse number 1. We're going to read down straight through to verse number 11. Dealing with judgments, dealing with matters of the court. And this one ought to put us to shame. I'm just saying, uh, the last several times that I've read this section of Scripture, just for the point of this study, just it puts me to shame. It, it really does. And though I, I don't personally stand guilty on this particular matter, I know plenty of people who do stand guilty on this matter. And, it, and it's just a shame that, that we as Christians would not have the moral aptitude or the or the the moral standing to be able to to take the judgment of others or take the the criticisms of others and and be able to uh, make judgment or make restitution or resolution between others or between ourselves and other people. Uh, without some kind of dreadful reaction taking place, people acknowledging and accepting the wrong that they've done, or uh, giving grace to the wrong that others have done or perceived that others have done, which would bring us to the conversation. No, we just harbor it until it builds up, and then oftentimes you'll find believers even taking themselves to court instead of handling the matters in-house the way that we're supposed to operate because we are going to be the judges of angels, for goodness sakes. And how's that ever going to be possible if we can't even work together to, to iron out the issues that we have within our own bodies as being Christians? Verse number one, dare any of you having a matter against another go to the law before the unrighteous and not before the saints? Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world will be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Do you not know that we shall judge angels? How much more 
things that pertain to this life. If, then, you have judgments concerning things pertaining to this life, do you appoint those who are least esteemed by the church to to judge? (laughs) I say this to your shame. Is it so that there is not a wise man among you, not even one, who will be able to judge between his brethren? But brother goes to law against brother, and that before unbelievers. Now, there, therefore, if it is already an utter failure for you that you go to law against one another, why do you not rather accept wrong? Why do you not rather let yourselves be cheated? No, you yourselves do wrong and cheat, and you do these things to your brethren. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Oh, brethren, Paul unleashes this this massive wave of truth against us, and, and, and it should put us to shame. There's no question about it. Just this very one question that he would ask down here, that, that he would say, is there not a, a person among you that, that is capable of being able to judge? I mean, it, it's embarrassing. I think it's verse number five. He says, is there, is there not a wise man among you, not even one who will be able to judge between his brethren? that you would have to take this thing, whatever it is, to court. Another thing that really smacks us right in the face, he says, it's an utter failure for you that you go to the law against another. He says, why don't you rather accept the wrong? He says, why do you not rather let yourselves be cheated? And then, you know, you, you hear Paul saying this, you say, why in the world would I let myself be cheated? Why in the world would I accept a wrong somebody else has done against me because that, that was wrong? And I, I can't just lay down and accept the fact that it was wrong. But here's where the tide changes. He said, no, you yourselves do wrong and cheat. And you do these things to your brethren. Now, here's the reality that Paul has painted right here at the very beginning in these 11 verses, that we would be so offended by one of our brethren in the church that we would take them to court to seek a restitution from them for something that they owed us that they haven't paid us or something that they said that that, that offended us or something that they did uh, rather to us or to even somebody else and we're offended on that other person's part regardless we we get so offended by them we take them to court and we want that restitution we want that that court to put that mandate against them that says you have to do this you have to pay this you have to 
You have to do this community service, whatever it is. We, we want them to have to pay. But do we not recognize that we ourselves are guilty of doing the exact same thing to other people? We're going to hold what's being done to us against someone, but then we would be offended that someone else would hold the same exact offenses that we're holding against another person that someone else would hold them against us so as to think that we're perfect we're perfectly okay we haven't done anything wrong it's this other people that are that are wrong and then when when the the coin finally tossed on that one and somebody else comes at you because you've wronged them but see you didn't think you did anything wrong you think that you're always above board that you've always been good been right been the, been the one who who knows what's right and and then you offend this other person and this person comes to you with a grievance against you and you you get mad at them and then when they seek restitution from you the same way you sought restitution from that other person because how dare they wrong uh, your friend and you seek restitution from them now you un unawarely had caused an offense against this other person and when they challenge you from the offense that you did to them you get offended at their offense <laughs> Now, what in the wrong is world was what is wrong with Christians today? What is wrong? Now, I see these things happening in the world, right? Uh, any of us that have grown up in the world, which I'm assuming to be all of us, because it seems that if you're watching this broadcast, you're most likely a human being. <laughs> now, I understand Buffy who is a dog, which, praise God, I love little Buffy's go watch with Miss Linda. Amen. And I understand sometimes Kruger, which is a really big dog, and and, and is going to be watching with Miss Carol. So I do have some, some friendly neighborhood pets watching, and hello, pets. Uh, great to have you on. But the the ones that are really receiving what I'm putting down is most likely going to be human. And there's going to be a period in your life where you certainly did not know Jesus, where you were a part of this world. And during that period of time, there is going to be a guarantee that, that you had your feathers ruffled in the wrong direction and that you were going to be holding uh, grudges against people. You're going to be holding people uh, accountable to the, the hurts that they spoke to you or, or the perceived injuries that you have or, or the, the things that were said about your friends and you want restitution for that. And, and there's going to be a possibility that there is a point in your life where you actually took someone to a civil court, where you, where you actually had these battles, these fights. There's no question about it. But then you received Christ. And here's the point. It, you received Christ. And, and, and this is what this is all about. Now, everything changes when you come to Jesus. You no longer need a, an external judge. You no longer need the lost in this world to judge the matters that are happening between the saints. You have a judge.
that is the Lord Jesus Christ. You have a jury. That is the Holy Spirit. And believe me, you don't need more than a jury of one with Holy Spirit is living inside of the saints and, and of the body. There's a reason why Jesus established a pattern of discipline for the church as found in Matthew chapter number 18. Let's take a look at that real quick. Let's head over to Matthew chapter number 18. He says in verse number 15, he says, Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. Now, this is all written in red, by the way. So this is very important to understand the court of the children of God, the court of the house of God. It's because any matter that takes place against us or towards us as concerning the children of God should never be handled in a in, in a lost, let's call it that way, an unsaved court of the law. For they cannot understand the things of God, neither can they know them. I'm not saying that those judges are not smart people. Not at all. I'm not saying that those judges uh, are, are not a capable people of handling the judgments that would be concerning the, the civil law over a, a lost generation a lost world that that they have to work a a resemblance of law out to be able to keep it at least civilized but i'm talking about the people who have been separated from the world i'm talking about the people who should who should be conducting themselves as the children of god have the mind of christ by the study of his word I'm talking about a people who should be m much different Remember that whole point that comes out in 2 Corinthians chapter number 6? It says, Wherefore, come out from among them and be separate and touch not the unclean thing. That whole idea that old things are passed away, behold, all things are new. The very concept that is painted by the scripture, even through Jesus, the fact that you no longer belong to the world, that you are no longer a part of the world, that you are no longer to conduct yourself like the world, but that you are to exhibit Jesus Christ through every facet of your being and what you say and how you live and the way you dress and everything about you shows forth the word of God living in you, the person of Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit, pouring the salt of salvation out of your mouth as jesus said you're the salt of the earth and and being that well of water at the same time that others can drink of that to receive the reality of christ that that he would spring up within you like he promised that woman in john chapter number four that everything about you should be entirely different than what it was before to include the way you conduct yourself, the manner in which you conduct your affairs within the church and among the body, which is what this is dealing with. If your brother sins against you, are you just going to run and take him to court? <laughs> a lot of you, a lot of us would in this modern day. But that's not the way that Jesus established. Listen to this. This is Matthew chapter 18, beginning in verse number 15. If your brother sins against you, and another point, you might have perceived 
a sin being against you, which may not very well have been a sin against you. Just because somebody said something that you don't like or that you don't agree with or that you don't want to be true doesn't mean that was wrong. This is where conversations need to initially be had because you need to understand something. You need to to talk with this person to be able to discover if you truly have been sinned against or if what they're saying was actually true and you need to change. There, There is that possibility because you are not perfect as concerning the point of being flawless. I know that might ruffle a feather. And if you got a question, throw it down in the comments. I'd be glad to answer it might get me in deeper trouble, but I don't care. You need to be transformed. Now, if you are a child of God watching this, the odds are you need to be transformed by your mind being renewed more so by the Holy Spirit that lives in you. And if you think you're saved, but you're having a really hard time accepting what's being said, you might just want to surrender to the will of God, get saved, Praise God, I'd love to hear a comment about that just received Jesus. Amen. Because you're so offended by every little thing that every little person around you, every little world is doing. Because everybody else must be wrong in the fact that you're right all the time. (laughs) Say, Pastor, that's absurd. You're right. It is absurd. But it's the exact way that we think. It's the exact way that we feel when we perceive that somebody has wronged us. Even when they may not have wronged us at all. Just because they said something to straighten you out because you needed to be straightened out doesn't mean that they've somehow sinned against you. It sure riles you though, doesn't it? which is where you discover your need to be more transformed than you were before so that you could be right with God. And what do we got to do about this? If we perceive a brother having sinned against us, he said, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. Go have a good conversation. Now, that's something that most people will never do. You perceive that somebody's wronged you, the last thing you're going to do is go and talk to them. The, the higher odds are that you go go tell it to everybody else that you feel comfortable being around much sooner than you ever going to go tell that one person. I can't tell you how many times somebody would come to me and say, a preacher, did you say this? Or did you preach that? Or did you, did you mention this? And I'll say, well, yeah, what, what's going on? This would you know you so and so got upset about all of this and I said how come so and so had come talk to me? How come I'm I'm learning about this from a third person sometimes a fourth person maybe a second person? How about the source come talk to me? And and that's exactly what the issue is. Jesus said, if if you are burdened immediately by something someone else has done, something someone else has said, go to them between them and yourself alone and tell them the fault or the perceived fault. He says, if he hears you, 
In other words, if you discover the nature of, of the issue and it really wasn't what you thought it was, or it was what you thought it was and they didn't realize it and they are people prepared to repent instead of get all bushled up like, like you've gotten, or, or whatever, you've gained your brother. It's, it's done. It's settled at the very core of the matter. You got offended by what they said or what they did. You went to them. You had a conversation with them. They accepted that, that uh, understanding that you have and changed their ways, or they explained their actions so that you better understood and you got the idea, so you, you apologized to them because you challenged them. And, and either way, either side or both sides apologizing to each other, you have just gained your family member back. Because remember, all of us believers are gathered together as one family in Christ Jesus, united by the blood of the Lamb. So you gained a family member back. But, verse number 16, if they will not hear, now this is on either side, if they won't accept your issue, they just deny it and walk away from it like you're just some kind of kook. Or you won't accept their explanation in so much that, that you wanted it to be a certain way, but it isn't happening the way you expect it would happen, so you're going to hold that against them. Either way, either way, if he will not hear, Take with you one or two more. Now, this isn't going and talking to one or two more just to vent your frustrations and all of that business. No, this is actually getting two other people to come with you to address this one person concerning the issue. This ain't going around and starting to spread no gossip about it, something that you don't agree with, whether you're right or whether you're wrong, because believe me, most of the time you could be wrong instead of right. But that's all beside the point. You go and you get two or one or two more people with you, and Jesus said, and by the way, it's written in all caps. It's like really loud right here that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. In other words, you go get two independent people from this issue you have, you bring them into this, you voice your grievance in front of these witnesses, and that the other person then uh, responds to your grievance with whatever they have to say in the presence of these one or two people, and the issue carries on. I mean, it could be settled right there with, with these independent people coming into this and hearing both sides of the issue. Those people could say, okay, here's what we're receiving from your dialogue from each other. And they might point out that both parties were wrong and they might point out the error of one party or, or the other. And, and he says, if they continue to refuse to hear what's happening there, then tell it to the church. Then, then this matter has reached a point where it must be addressed on a Sunday morning before the whole body. Now, now how many times have you ever seen this done correctly? 
How many times have you seen it actually go from an offense between two people to just being thrown right in front of the church and, and bypass the conversation between the two people alone, bypass the addition of, of, of others to be brought in to mediate between the two? They, it just gets thrown up in the church. And most of the time, when is that going to happen but in a business meeting? And then somebody's going to blow up in a business meeting about something they didn't get or something they think should be or something somebody did. And, and there's going to be some riling going on in a business meeting and then people going to walk out and it, it messes up the whole church because it wasn't handled the way Jesus said. Now, how's that Christian? How's that Christian? If you're not going to do something the way that Jesus revealed it to be done or to be handled that means you're in rebellion to god to begin with now how is that christian makes no sense does it but it's the way we operate because even though we're saved we still got a whole lot of the world in us and we still think in terms of the ways of this world instead of being transformed by the renewing of our minds don't we now he said, if, if the refusal to hear them happens, tell it to the church. Now, if he refuses even to hear the church, then what did we learn about it yesterday? What are they still doing in the church? Kick them out. That's the last thing we'd ever think of doing. We'd rather suffer the, the wrongdoings of a million people that are congregating in our church than we would remove one of those souls for the damage that they're doing to the whole body. And that is one of the principal issues. And Jesus himself said, let him be to you as a heathen or a tax collector. He said, he said, kick them out and that's the bonding that's the binding and loosing like what we would find in, in 1618 he says all things are given unto you and, and if you receive something it's it's received unto you and if you reject something it's rejected unto you uh, as concerning the keys uh, of of the kingdom that has absolutely nothing to do with some power that the church has to be able to admit people into heaven like we were some gatekeepers of heaven with tickets that are being given out for people to come into the amusement park not even close but the reality is is that we are called to handle the affairs of the kingdom of god in this place and within the body of christ if we have people that refuse to be instructed that refuse to be corrected and that will have nothing to do with what they think is 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 to be done and they refuse they they adamantly stand against the work that is trying to be done in this place tell them to leave don't don't beat around a bush and think you're going to be able to change them and try to try to keep them because you're worried about your financial means or you're worried about numbers in your church you're worried about people leaving or whatever blah 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 tell them to go because you cannot function as a church you cannot praise god you cannot worship as a body in christ when you have such divisions among you and wasn't that what paul was saying i'm i'm, I'm amazed at the divisions that are in this place he said about corinth why because nobody was taking a stand to do what the word of god commanded them to do this is even a suggestion this is all written in red this is no suggestion and if people are not going to accept correction, 
that means they're in rebellion to God. And if they're going to stand in an outright rebellion to God, they're not going to listen to you if you confront them on the issue and you bring two other brethren with you and, and they mediate between the two and they, they say, well, these are the issues that we see and repentance is needed. And then persons say, I didn't do anything wrong. I'm not going to repent. Well, right then and there, you know, the Holy Spirit ain't talking because the Holy Spirit would bring us to repentance because there's guaranteed we had some kind of wrong in the situation, even if I didn't do anything wrong. But because of what I did caused you to perceive the, the frustration, I have a point of repentance at that because it, it's it's ill-received and I've got to repent anyway. And and thus, you're going to say, well, look, guys, I didn't do anything wrong. You're going to walk away from that. It comes before the whole church and this person still stands up and says, I don't understand what everybody's getting them their, their, their bushel, you know, feathers ruffled for. I didn't do anything wrong. Go, time to go. You know what? Go on down the road, go to the next place, and get into the next church and, and see if you can function well there because it's reached a place where it's affected the entire body here. You got to go. You got to go. You don't see that happening in churches today. You just don't see that happening. But that's exactly what Jesus said was necessary for the health of the body. And he said, surely I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth be loosed in heaven. doesn't mean that you're taking someone's salvation or that you're saying someone's not saved. But if you're going to reject correction and, and the, all of these different bodies all of these different entities are revealing the need for correction and you're just going to say i'm not the one that's wrong you're what you're ultimately saying is i'm perfect it's everybody else's fault that you very well aren't saved because a saved person acknowledges their guilt a saved person acknowledges they're wrong and a saved person acknowledges the fact that they could do wrong without understanding or realizing that they've done wrong. A saved person realizes that when a voice of correction comes to them that it needs to be paid attention to because there is a possibility of wrongdoing happening from them. They'll recognize that. And most people just get more offended and to go on in life. More offended. It's so sad. And that's what Paul's saying. Paul, he said right here, he said, dare any of you. I love the way he said that because he's just throwing it right in their face in Corinth. He said, dare any of you that has a matter against another. Now, you know what Jesus says about that in Matthew 18, 15. Dare any of you having a matter against another, go to the law before the unrighteous and not before the saints. What, what are you immediately going to the, the civil courts for? we got an issue with the brother in the church that you shouldn't be able to handle it with the pastor, that you shouldn't be able to handle it with, the, with one of the elders, that you should be able to handle it with a respected person within the body. He said, isn't there anybody in that church that is capable of handling the matter? You mean you don't have one wise person among all them people in that church? Really? <laughs> Do you not know that the saints are going to judge the world? By the way, it's going to happen in Revelation chapter number 20 as, as a part of the entourage of Jesus when he makes his return. 
He said, if you're going to judge the world, aren't you able to judge some small matter in, in this life, in this moment? He said, don't you understand? You're going to be judges of angels. <laughs> now, take that one to the bank. How much more the things that pertain to this life? He said, what? Summed up really simply in these 11 verses, Paul just smacked his head and said, what in the world is wrong with you people? He said, I say this to your shame. He says, a brother goes to law against a brother, that before unbelievers. What exactly would you have to bring before an unbeliever that couldn't be handled by, by the children of God? If you truly are two saved people and a wrong has truly been done, would it not be discovered that because of the nature of the Holy Spirit inside of both of you that an amiable conclusion could be done without having to go before unbelievers? Or do you not trust in the power of the Holy Spirit? Or are you not truly saved? Or do you not truly believe in the power of God? Or is salvation something just a joke to you? Like this is just something that is like a country club that you join with your dues and your tithe and, and all of the benefits and perks that you expect, but you really don't have any connection with God. You don't respect Him as being Almighty, and you don't respect His authority of His Word over you as being able to make judgments between you if you're going to take every little matter before the unbelievers. That's what he's saying. He says, why do you not rather let yourselves be cheated? If they're not going to receive from you, just, just let it go. Isn't God the one who makes the provision for you anyways? Isn't God the one who sees the wrong has been done that he will not avenge you anyways, even though it be another one of his children? God isn't going to let it slide. He isn't going to let it go by. It may be a while before that person suffers some type of judgment that God puts upon them, but it doesn't mean that God didn't see the wrong that was done, even if it was you that did the wrong, by the way. And God, God, God isn't going to allow for unrighteousness to exist within his body or within his children. But so many people try to take it into their own hands instead of trusting their father. And they're going to handle it. And thus they're going to handle it wrong. And they're going to incur the judgment of God upon them for handling it wrong. Don't you understand that sometimes you're just going to have to let it go? Believe me, there's more times that I can count than it in my life as being a pastor where I've been yelled at and fussed at and, and, and jumped on and, and, and talked about and assassinated behind my back and all these other things. And, and you just have to accept this is going to be a part of the life that it, that is going to be as, as, as being a pastor, certainly because of the things you preach are going to cause people to get riled up, but you know that they're not going to come to you and talk to you. They're going to go tell all their other friends some dastardly thing that you had to preach or what have you and, and, and just cut your character up around the community and everything. Let it go. Accept, accept the wrongs that are being done. Commit them to Christ and trust in His ways. You know, let yourself be cut up. 
Let yourself be talked about. Let yourself be assassinated so that when they come up to you because they got some grievance against you, some lost person because their saved buddy's been talking about how bad you are and they start talking to you, perhaps you could lead them to Christ. Then all of a sudden they go back to their buddy and say, I don't know what you were saying. I don't think it's right because I talked to them and they led me to Jesus. Go ahead and let yourself be cheated. You never know if that's going to be an opportunity for somebody to come to you that you can lead them to Christ. What you got to do is you got to keep your head on your shoulders and your heart right with God. Faithful to His Word. True to His, to his service. You can't fix what anybody else is going to do or not do. You can't change nobody else, as for certain. But you can let the Holy Spirit change you, can't you? by getting out of his way and letting him have a perfect work done in you. Paul is just tearing these people up. He said, man, you won't let anybody mess with you. He said, but you out there messing with everybody else. In verse number eight, he said, no, you yourselves do wrong. And you yourselves, you cheat. And you do these things to your brethren. What if somebody held a candle on you? Aren't you glad you dealt with a bunch of Christians? I'll tell you, when, when I first got saved, I'm so glad that I had I, I was working with a bunch of Christians because I, I can't tell you how many times that I, I was wrong. I can't tell you how many times that I, I was mean or hateful or what have you. But praise God, they, they accepted the wrong. They, they let themselves be dealt with in such a manner as that when I when I really understood what what I was doing when when the Holy Spirit got a hold of me I, I went back and and one to another I, I made apologies I made things right through repentance because I realized how wicked I was being even though I believed myself to be a child of God and they they allowed those things to take place for the time so that when the repentance was truly given that it was so much sweeter a fellowship between the brethren but we don't do that as a majority we ain't gonna let ourselves be cheated no uh -uh. we're gonna get on you we're gonna get others on our side so we can all pile up on you and what does it do but destroy the body of christ he says the, the last point here and a tough point. He said, don't you understand that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? The unrighteous, they're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. He said, don't, don't be deceived. People actively living these things are not going to inherit the kingdom of God because the Holy Spirit would change us from within from the desires to do these things. What are they? fornicators people that are that are committing sexual acts before being married uh the 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 free love of the of the 70s the late 60s the early 70s a free love movement all of this this pornography and all of this 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 um people that are shacking up together and and basically having families but not not committing unto marriage all of this non-committal acts of of sexual gratification that's fornicators and, and a lifestyle that is comfortable with this while still trying to claim to be Christians, you're not. You're not. The Holy Spirit would never accept this. He said you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God, period. Idolaters, oh boy, there might be some need to repent right now. <laughs> Uh, adulterers, which is the the fornicators who are actually married and cheating on their spouse. 
uh, homosexuals. Wasn't me that wrote it. As, as written uh, and translated, and I'm not even using my my precious King James Bible just so people can't say, well, that was just as a King James. <laughs> nah, man, I'm using another translation. They still said homosexuals. You can't get around it. You might not like it, but don't be offended at me. That's what the Word of God says. Take it up with God at this point. Nor sodomites. Nah, see, I didn't say it. That again comes from the the Bible itself. Nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards. Oh boy, some repenting needing to be happening now. Nor revilers. Yep, repentance needed. Nor extortioners. Mm, you guys are guilty, I know. I've been there. <laughs> Will inherit the kingdom of God. Seems to be a need for some repentance. And such were some of you. And such were all of you. That's one step I'm willing to take above beyond what old Paul had to say here. All of you were this one point. Look what he said though. But you're washed. You know, you're supposed to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You're supposed to be uh, cleansed with that washing of regeneration, that renewing of the Holy Spirit. You're supposed, you're supposed to have, have your sins blotted out, being sanctified by the blood of Jesus, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. What in the world are you thinking? And why are you acting this way? It just don't make sense to Paul, and it don't make sense to me why this is the case. So perhaps... A great deal of repentance needs to be done today. Perhaps uh, salvation is needed to be received today. Perhaps somebody needs to hear this today, so share it. Perhaps it's you. Get right with God, then go get right with your brother or sister. Take care of it today. Don't you dare let it sit. Take care of it today so that you can reclaim a brother or sister in Christ. Father, we give you thanks and praise, asking thy blessing be upon us and asking for you to lead our hearts in this moment, lead our lives, that we may be the saints in Christ Jesus. And we'll thank you and praise you for the washing we've received, for the sanctifying, cleansing justification of the blood of Jesus that has brought us together as one in the Father through Christ. We'll, we just thank you, Lord. Thank you. Lead us in our hearts now in this moment. In Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. God bless you. Keep your causes face to shine upon you. I'll catch you tomorrow for Wisdom Wednesday. Amen.